Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and I have the distinct pleasure of actually getting to talk to the guy I started the podcast with, my buddy, Mr. Johnny Marks. John, what is up, brother? What is up, man? Salvage the, the Mets series. A split. A split. Right? A split. One game uh, apiece. Noah looked good. Did, did give up some hits. It was, uh, listen, it was an entertaining game today. And, uh, and you know, you got to love where the Phillies are at this That's point. That's right. They're 23 and 16. Last year, they didn't get their 23rd win until the middle of June. And, uh, and we're sitting here on a recording on May 13th. Most people probably listening on the 14th, but we're in the middle of May. It, it took a whole month longer last season for this team to win their 23rd game. That in and of itself should kind of tell us where we're at. And the fun thing, John, and, and we'll dive in uh, to what we've seen the last week, obviously the four-game sweep at home over the Giants, a lot of fun. And then the Mets series, a little anticlimactic with the rain out on Saturday. But like you said, a uh, huge win yesterday. Nola didn't necessarily have his best stuff, but able to grind and grit through, only gives up one run in six innings and, um, you know, nine hits. You could tell he just didn't have his best stuff, but was able to get out of a first inning bases loaded jam, no outs, able to get out of that and just consistently pitch well enough until the offense could pick him up. But uh, let, let's talk a big picture sense before we kind of dive into sp- some specifics. As you just said, you have to feel good about where this team is at right now. When you look at the way the division is shaping up, obviously the Braves still playing good baseball, the Mets hanging around, and Washington, I think probably we both agree, yet to play their best baseball this season. Sitting here halfway through the month of May, 23-16, and how for real is this Phillies team in your mind right now? They're for real, James, and and uh, there were some. There was a few people in the city that thought this team could contend, legitimately contend for a wild card. We were two of them. Uh, Jack did as well. What did you? What was your official win total? We we got you to eighty. I, think I went to 80. eighty-eight. Well, we were doing this. I went eighty-seven. Yeah, well, we were doing uh, the the evening <laughs> show roundtable together, and I came in at eighty-seven too, and you went eighty-seven, and I was like, well, I can't pick the same thing as John. I'm going higher. 88. I feel yeah, good about it's crazy. it. And, and, and right now, if you had to, if you had to, had to pick wins and losses, you may even go ahead of 88 right now. Just like with the Sixers. I, I remember the Sixers, I said 44, and I was told that nobody went from where the Sixers were in 2017 to win 44 games. Well, they won 52, and we'll talk after the, the tough part of their schedule because it is coming up, but everything I've seen so far from this team, from their starting pitching, from their bullpen – to now Carlos Santana getting hot, this team's going to win 86, 87, 88 or more games. They are. Oh, well, uh, uh, Carlos Santana starting to play well. Who who could have possibly seen that coming looking at the man's career and what he does every year? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah people were exactly. ready to, to and throw he, him out of town about a couple weeks ago. Yep, and he, and he is. He's coming around. I know the average still – I think he made it up to around 200 or almost 200 now, but he is. He's – on base percentage is still pretty good, and the power has been. Last week, how many home runs does he have? Four home yeah, runs in the last homers. week or so. And, and the double in the Mets game, the, the big inning that led to the uh, greatest hit, pinch hitter of all time, Nick Williams, hitting the three-run shot. But that double he hit was off the top of the wall. At first, Blanche, I thought it was a home run that he hit. I thought it was a tie game, and then it bounced back in, and they showed the replay, and you're like, all right, it was just a double. But that ultimately part of that inning that led to the Nick Williams. We'll, we'll get into that later because uh, I've – 
the dude's nine for 18 is a pinch hitter with two home runs. It's hard to believe, but it's amazing. It's, ama- it's amazing. Uh, but, but to your point, um, just as a general overall kind of where this team is, I, I totally agree. We both thought they were for real before the season. And I think sometimes you do see youth take steps forward before people expect them to. And I also think that this team was really well put together in terms of, of you know, the pieces that they have and the holes that they have to fill and all that. I think they did a really nice job in the offseason. But I think the thing I've been most impressive with, John, and I, I, I don't know who else to credit but the coaching staff and Kapler and the, the guys on the team as well, but I've been so impressed with how resilient they've been so far in a young season. Of course, it's very early, but we've seen them suffer some tough losses. We've seen them, for for instance, start the season out 1-4 and four and have their brand new manager booed the first time he stepped onto the <laughs> field at home, at home John. Yeah. And since then, since that time he got booed, they're 22-12. and 12. This baseball team has played great baseball. And I, I credit Kapler for having these guys, and we've seen it time and time again. After that opening, they fight back. They play good baseball. We see it, uh, the four-game losing streak. Aaron Nola comes out and stops it. They start to play better baseball they lose four straight series including a game where Hector Neris just totally craps the bed after they fight back against Max Scherzer and actually are in position to take the series against the Nationals and lose a devastating game like that where Neris blows it and they come home and sweep the Giants in a four-game series John the the resiliency I've seen from this team the ability to bounce back the ability to not get too low that's something for a young team that has really impressed me. When you look at that, uh, is it more the players, the coaching? How do you kind of assess uh, the credibility there? And, and have you noticed that as well? Well, I, yeah, and I, I look at what Gabe Kapler's done. He's, he's been outstanding. And I, I hopefully some people, and in, in, like you said, we're recording on Sunday into Monday. I, I plan on talking a lot of Phillies tomorrow on the afternoon show. And I'm hoping people are going to call in and say, you know what? I've been impressed by Gabe Kapler. I, I had a knee-jerk reaction of uh, I, that I hated him and he's bad and the stupid, just the term analytics, which is like painful to hear <laughs> these people say. It's like a trigger word for people. Oh my God, they think that, that, that he has a Commodore 64 computer <laughs> and he's putting in all these numbers. All he's doing is using numbers. But you know where I'm going here, and um, and for you know the closer hasn't been great. He's been getting it done for the most part. We're we're, we're gonna get great. we're gonna get into that. Don't worry, we're gonna get oh, we're gonna get into that. Um, two of your regulars are batting under 200, and we're not talking about your eighth, your seventh and eighth hit, hitter. You're talking about today your second and your fifth hitter batting under 200. Scott Kingery has not hit, has not walked for the most part. Alfaro's now finally catching fire. So. The lineup hasn't hasn't been great. Starting pitching has been very good. He's made it work, and he really he he he's. I'm just enjoying it. I'm, I'm enjoying the job he's doing. I'm enjoying enjoying the games that are being played. Uh, the bullpen did the job today. Nola's six and one. Yeah. Nola's six and one with an ERA under, under two. two. Under two. So. Uh, you know, w- whether it's some nights, some guys getting it done. You know, Nick Williams, I'm looking forward to seeing him maybe getting some more starts. Get him in there. He's been great. This has been a total team effort, and I, I tip my cap to Gabe Kapler. He's been great. It's a great point, John, because not only has the team been resilient, but they've won baseball games without performances from guys you really counted on 
being a part of them winning and the predictions we made with 87, 88, you know, we were counting on certain guys playing a lot better than they have and, and still count on them, you know, rebounding. But uh, it's a great point to, to look at how the individual guys have performed and what the staff has gotten out of them. And we talk about it a lot with the way they work counts. You saw it in the first inning today against Jacob deGrom where they made him throw 45 pitches in the first inning. They didn't score a run, but that plays a role. And deGrom coming off the DL, you know, they end up going to their bullpen. It's a whole bullpen game. Ultimately, they wear down. That's a big thing, you know, that they, they have that type of approach, especially in a city where... You know, we've we've craved it for so long. At least, you know, a lot of baseball fans have. And I'll mention one other thing. And, and obviously, we are as pro-Dubal as it gets on this uh, uh, here podcast, the Hopes podcast. Very pro-Dubal Herrera. But um, not only, obviously, 41 straight games now getting on base after a walk in the first inning at a hit later as well. Just continues to contribute. Leading, I believe, the majors still in hitting. I'm not sure what's happened in the night games and whatnot. But um, I, I think that... that Kapler really deserves a lot of credit for the way he's handled Odubel Herrera. Uh, you know, after we've seen the last three years, and it's part of the reason I think people are so critical of Herrera is because there was really no one else on the team to care about for the last three, four years, right? Um, so I think that people really tore him apart and really nitpicked with a kid who was 23, 24, 25 years old at the time and and just getting used to uh, the culture, the sport, the, the team, all of it. And um, I think we were way too critical of him. And, and I think people are obviously, now that they're seeing the, the resounding kind of inarguable success that he is having, are kind of coming around. But I think that, look, he hasn't been flipping the bat this year, uh, if you've noticed. No fl- big bat flips on home runs or anything. He's going about <laughs> his business. He's not making the same type of mental errors. He had that one game where, you know, he apologized to Reese and that whole thing. But you know, and the, of course, the the not running to first base fast down nine runs in the ninth inning or whatever it was. But for the most part, those things have been few and far between. And I think between that and the, you know, increase he's playing the best he's ever played. I think that's somewhere else where I, I don't know where else other than giving Herrera credit, which, of course, he deserves the the rest of that. I don't know where else to go but to give, you know, obviously the coaching staff, but also Kapler credit for how he's handling him. Uh, Odubel's a, an all-star. I don't think there's there's Odubel's much dispute about that right now. one of the 10 best right players now. in baseball so far this season. He he and last year, remember when remember when they they started winning games last year? It was essentially when Odubel started playing well, and um, you know I, I didn't necessarily like how Pete McCann handled a lot of the guys Agreed. last year, and uh, I, I don't think he necessarily got through to Odubel. And I know his teammates were frustrated with some, with some of his nonsense last year, and I don't think that they felt like it was um, that that he's a bad guy or a bad teammate. But you know, enough is enough. He 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 needs to grow up. He needs to become more of a professional. I've seen that this year, and. He is. Uh, he has been a tremendous, tremendous uh, find from the the terms of how the Phillies acquired him, the contract that they gave him, and where he is right now. Listen, he's he's the best player on the team, and 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 he's probably going to continue to be the best player of the team. Now he's going to get hot and he's going to get cold. He's not going to hit two three sixty all year long. But here's what I know: every time he comes up there, he's going to give you a chance. And you can't say that about a lot of, a lot of people in this lineup, night in and night out. His defense is great, and he's an exciting player. He is. He is. If 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 fans can get over the fact that he's going to have the occasional not run the first base, which by the way, Jimmy Rollins. 
who could be a Hall of Famer used to do. By the way, every um, player in the sport, Mike Trout, I watch so many Angels games because I'm up late writing so or whatever. Dude, Mike Trout does it, okay? Like, everybody does it. Like, if you're down a bunch of runs late in a game, like, sometimes you just don't bust your ass to first base. It happens. Get over get it. Get over it. Yeah, I yes, mean, get over it. I'm, I'm so with you. Enjoy the results. But let's let's not let's not let's not treat this like football. Okay, there's 16 football games. There's 162 baseball games. Let's try to keep that in mind when maybe a couple times a year he's going to do the Oduble move. Just deal with it. He's a great player. Uh, I totally agree. And to your your McCannon uh, Kapler point, I I mean it's it's almost just so blatantly obvious when you think about it. Is McCannon a guy who? A baseball lifer who's been a coach or a interim manager or whatever for the last 30 years or whatever. And then you've got Gabe Kapler, a guy who was playing in the league five years ago. You know, a guy who has been around youth. It was a, 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 a you know developmental director for the Dodgers. Like all that type of stuff. It would make sense that someone like that would be able to communicate better with younger guys. Someone who's also 20 years younger McCannon as well. Um, it, it's been great to see. And, and uh, I've been really excited by the Herrera of it all. We'll get into in a sec. I want to uh, talk about the pitching staff and the potential kind of moves that could be happening up ahead. But but we got to start real quick uh, with the closer thing because obviously I think it was you know shown in full effect this weekend. I mentioned before the uh, the Nationals game where Naris blew it, but Friday night uh, just a a brutal loss as Jake Arrieta is lights out for seven and a third, and uh, the Phillies going to the top of the ninth one to nothing lead and. Neris Neris's and confer it was so it was uh, I was you, uh, like I can't even speak about it because runner on first and Conferto is up and uh, Conferto just mashes a ball in the right field and you're like that's gone and oh no it's a foul ball it's just barely foul and you're yep. like oh thank God adjust what you're doing very next pitch Conferto just crushes again in the right field and it was such a uh you wanted to strangle Hector Neris through your screen and then of course he gives up another homer to Mesoraco and then today when having the option with Neris not you know getting everyone gets a day of rest with the the day off yesterday with the rain uh rain out John uh he goes to Dubrai Ramos and Ramos gets the job done one walk but otherwise a clean inning after the game, Kapler comes out and says, we're going to be creative with the ninth inning. What is your take on all of this? Uh, I, I do a closer by committee right now. Neris has, hasn't blown a lot of saves. We're not talking about a guy that blew, has blown five saves. But he could have blown a lot of yep. saves, right? Absolutely. You, you watch these games like I do. He doesn't have faith in, really in, in anything but, but the splitter. I don't even know where that is right now. Um, closers are like kickers, and uh, right now he is not kicking well. And he, frankly, he hasn't earned to where you need to keep putting him out there. I go with the hot hand. I'm not saying to put Sarah Anthony Dominguez in there every night right away. I'd like to see him. He pitched the eighth inning today, didn't he? He sure did, Johnny. And he pitched a clean eighth inning. And 12 pitches, nine strikes. And, and it's been, that's been every we'll inning's pitch, right? I mean, he, I know. All three, a lot of strikes. He throws first pitch strikes. And he's a lot of fastballs. Oh, and, he's, and he's got the hook that he trusts and a changeup. He's a, he's a good pitcher, man. And, and I think when he gets some more major league reps and continues to get outs, I think that there's more comfort there. He seems like we talk about this a lot here. You know, it's one of the, 
you know, we're, we're more analytically inclined, I would say, as baseball fans, you, me, and Fritz here at the High House Podcast than I think the average fan is, I would say. But one area where the analytics guys, I just, I don't, I think they are stone cold wrong or the stat guys or whatever you want to call them is that they believe that anyone can go in and, and succeed in the ninth inning. And, and I don't think that's the case. I think there's a human element to it. I think it is some guys have it and some guys don't. And then sometimes it is matchup. Some guys can go out and have it for a night in a lower stakes situation, but you need a guy who wants that ball in the ninth inning and, and at least the feel you get from Sir Anthony and the time we've seen him in the majors and of course his work in the minors. He feels like that type of guy, John. Yeah, I mean, it, there's no reason I can't see to give him a chance at some at some point. It doesn't mean it is going to happen right away. It doesn't mean that all else being equal, kind of like with Kenny Giles, you bring him in, you let him pitch the seventh, the eighth, you let him naturally figure out what his role is. The fact that he pitched the eighth inning today tells me that Gabe Kapler thinks he can do more. So we'll we'll see what happens, but certainly <laughs> he comes out there in the eighth inning today throwing fire. He he. The kid's got it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'd like to see him in there. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, look, he seems like he has that mentality and uh, the human element of it all. He seems like the type of guy who can handle that role. I think that Kapler might be trying to play this out a little bit till he feels like he's more ready. But we've seen examples of closers who have gotten the role at a really young age and just stepped right in and been successful. I mean, there, there are guys all over Major League Baseball right now, uh, you know, granted, uh, not in the best shape right now as he's been uh, arrested for sexual assault, but Roberto Asuna was a guy like that who came up as a young rookie, never pitched in Major League Baseball, closing immediately. You see a guy uh, back in the day like Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, came up and started immediately. Seattle, Edwin Diaz, that guy just throws 100 miles an hour, and they they brought him up and he's their closer immediately. Um, so I think you're starting to see more and more of that So I, and, and have seen it over history as well. So I think that ultimately the the main point that we both kind of agree on is at this moment, Hector Neris is either not the guy or not the guy who deserves to have the, the lone solo job as closer. I just think it's interesting because uh, Kapler and, and saying he's going to be creative. He's talked, uh, we talked about the good fight tweet uh, from, from a, a, a like a week ago or whatever, where they said that, He's basically so creative and forward thinking with everything else, but not with his bullpen, which is so strange. I'm, I'm just excited to see him kind of try and manage his way through this right now till either he feels Dominguez is ready or he feels there's someone else on the roster is ready. Or ultimately, maybe, John, you know, it comes where it's, it's July and no one has really grabbed the role and they trade for somebody. I, I think that could, could be the ultimate out as well. Now, the, the closer you are to competing, and it, it would be difficult to think right now that they're not going to be in the competition come trade deadline. Everybody's talking about starting pitcher Cole Hamels. The starters are still pitching the, the way they are right now, and they're actually pretty deep in the minors. Uh, I, I agree with you. You might be looking for a ninth inning guy that's available, and uh, you, you certainly have the prospects to you have the prospects to get them. So it's exciting to think that that we could be talking tra- trade deadline deals. We'll see. It's awesome to think about. I know John Heyman, and he's not my favorite, but he came out with the Phillies are one of the front runners for Cole Hamels already or whatever, and, and other guys they might be interested in and all that stuff. It is exciting after a long time of looking at those type of deals as who could the Phillies be trading away. Now we actually get to look at it the complete other way around and say, oh, who could we add to help this team? 
Uh, and you make a great point about the starters because let, let's get into that because, look, I think someone like Cole Hamill is certainly on the table down the road. And, and with the bullpen, I think it could be that it's as easy as Dominguez taking the role and being great with it. Or it could be trading for someone like a Zach Britton or someone on like a, the Padres, like Brad Hand or someone on a bad team who's willing to like Kelvin, Kelvin Marrera from the Royals or someone who's got experience and can handle the job. But I think the more pressing situation right now for this team, it's funny because, uh, you know, we could talk about the closer, but I don't know if they need a starter at this exact moment. We've got, obviously, Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta at the top have, you know, really grabbed the reins and said, we are a one and a two and, and this can work. But uh, Nick Pavetta, you know, coming back after that rough outing in Washington, his only bad outing really, great outing, battled through uh, against the Giants at home, and then... It's a really interesting situation right now because we are not the biggest Vince Velasquez fans here at the High Hopes podcast, but he, you know, coming off six innings, 12 strikeouts in his last outing. Zach Eflin gets skipped over the weekend, but has had two starts and has been lights out in both, velocity up, all that. Jared Eikhoff on the way back, John. I mean, we got an interesting situation coming up as Eikhoff potentially could be back in a week, maybe two. How do you see this shaking out here? I think we can agree, obviously, well, don't need to agree. Nolan Arietta out of the conversation. I think we can agree Pavetta, his spot is safe. How do you see this shaking out with these other kind of three guys for, for two spots type of situation? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of times these things just take care of themselves on their own. Like like uh, Eikhoff gets hurt again and just stays on the DL longer or right. whatever. Exactly. He, He's not ready. Velasquez blows up and has a couple terrible starts, and they say, all right, let's move to the bullpen. Uh, Eflin comes back down to earth, and here's the bottom line. you got to be able to produce, and, man, you know, Velasquez just – he looks so good at some points during his starts, and then he looks like Vinny V and other other starts. I don't think he's – I don't think he's pitched – poorly enough to lose his spot in the rotation and frankly if you're going to tell me Jared Eikhoff has a higher upside or you're going to bring him and put him in the starting rotation over Velasquez if he continues to kind of do this the same thing he's doing right here I mean here's the difference Eikhoff doesn't really have bullpen strikeout stuff to where you could put Velasquez in the bullpen and he could he could from jump street come in and, and dominate and strike guys out I, I just I, I don't think that you take him out of the starting rotation at this point. Not for Jared Eikhoff. Jared Eikhoff, I, I don't know what his, what his stuff is this year. I mean, you're talking about a guy that nibbles. You're talking about a nibbler that has best case back of the rotation stuff. He's the back of he's a four or a five best case. Hopefully it works itself out on its own. If 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 it happens right now, if if the decision was due right now. To come back, I can't put him in the starting rotation. Uh, I can't do. Yeah, I, I can't take Eflin. I, I can't take Eflin out. Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm not. I'm with you, and I think. Look, I think that's why it's good that there's a little time for it to play itself out because I, I agree with you. I think. Look, if Zach Eflin goes out, and let's say it takes Ike off. Realistically, I, I know people are saying it could be a week. If I'm betting, I'm a betting man. I'm betting two weeks, ten days, two weeks. Let's say two weeks to to play it safe. Zach Eflin gets what three, four starts in that time. Probably three starts in that time. Um, it really depends on how he looks. You know, if he has three great starts, two great starts, and a solid start, or if he kind of falls off the table the other way, I think that makes the decision easier one way or the other. And I totally agree with you. I would say that 
Vincent Velasquez's role is safe. Uh, I think that it's really that spot between Eflin and Nykoff in my mind. I know that people get furious with, uh, infuriated with Velasquez, and I do too. Like, hello, over here. Um, I certainly have complained. I have sent uh, you and Jack Fritz on our high hopes text chain uh, text uh, to the effect of Vincent Velasquez sucks and other not nearly <laughs> as nice things. But at the same time, when you just look at the three of those guys, there's no question that, that the ceiling for Velasquez is just higher. And we saw it the other day against the Giants, Grant. The Giants, a team that strike out a ton, but has a really rough first inning and then throws five brilliant innings and t- strikes out 12. So it's there and, and it's in him. And, and for what it's worth, he has the ERA is at five, but he, when you look at it on a start by start basis, he has had more good starts than bad starts, which for Velasquez, that's saying something. So I'm with you. I think that they're not ready to give up on that. I think it comes down to Ike off Eflin and I really think it's going to depend on how Eflin looks the next few starts. I think uh, to your point, I think you make a great point that Jared Eikhoff and I, uh, let me say, I was a big Jared Eikhoff fan a couple years ago. I, I did think there was something there, especially in the, the walk rate. I mean, a guy who walks guys at that low a clip and has a close to eight strikeout per nine or that's whatever what he's got to do. I mean, that's a real, I mean, that's a skill set that you can work with. But I agree. I think his ceiling was a four or five guy. Nothing you can get. Too he excited lost. About. He, he also Eikhoff lost a couple ticks off his fastball last year, and for a guy when you're throwing 92 and you're topping out 92, a you can't walk guys. Yep. You have to have pinpoint control, and b you have to be able to his curve. He's his good curveball. You have to be able to throw that for strikes. That's something he didn't do last year. A and b. He was down to 88, 89. So I suspect there was there was an injury there. I think so um, too. That, that he just wasn't saying, and I respect him for that. But the whole reason we're having this conversation is because of Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin came up here throwing ninety seven. He's getting big time swings and misses. So you know, Eikhoff, yeah, he, he's a he's a pitcher in this in this league, no doubt about it. But Eflin gives you gives you the stuff that you want. Someone's someone's going to be someone's going to be out of the rotation that probably deserves to be. And my feeling is it's going to be Eikhoff, unless Velasquez blows himself up over the next two weeks. They'll slow play this as long as they can. There's no doubt about that. But I we'll just have to see how it works out. Totally with you, John. I think look, they're not rushing. I know that Eikhoff could be ready at a certain point. I don't think they're rushing him. I think you're absolutely right. They want to see how this plays out because look, Eflin. If you look at what Eflin did last year, he came up, he had three really good starts, and then he fell off a table so you know you have to make sure that's not the case this year just look I love the increased velocity but increased velocity does not mean that he is a better pitcher you know that is it helps but there have been many many examples throughout history of guys who show increased velocity and don't get any better um, but I, look, I like what I've seen from Eflin so far in in the starts he's had this season. And, and, and there's no da- there's no doubt that he's and I thought this going into this year that he's a better prospect than Lively. Oh yeah, right? that's why I didn't even mention Lively in this discussion. I feel like Lively is a you know he's a if 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 everything hits the fan and everyone gets hurt, live we'll see Lively again. Yeah, which hopefully doesn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, he's probably the eighth starter right now. Yeah, and and look, I think Ikov again. I do think that the reason he struggled so much last year was that back injury and that kind of affecting his whole rotation, his whole makeup, all that type of stuff. But I'm with you. I can't when I look at those guys. When Zach Eflin is on, he's better than when Jared Ikov is on, and that's even without factoring in that Eikhoff hasn't pitched in the majors in close to a year and has struggled to get back and has had all these setbacks. So 
I'm with you. I, I think that, and I think that Kapler kind of put that out there when, when uh, you know, Matt Klintak said that uh, Eichhoff had a spot in the rotation when he came back like a month ago or whatever, or a couple of weeks ago, and and Kapler was like, "Yeah, no spots in the rotation are set. Sorry." Uh, I thought by that the way, was. And by the way, things change. Yeah, and he's right to right? say that. So I, I yeah. think that's. Uh, I think that was smart to put that out there, and I think it was certainly a a tease of what could be coming. Either way, like you said, John, I think it'll kind of play itself out with their performances and whatnot. Before we look ahead to the month of May, real quick, I mentioned it before, but a quick shout-out to Nick Williams, the pinch hitter. Nine for 18, two homers, a monster home run yesterday, or today, yesterday for a lot of people hearing, uh, to basically win the Mets game, more or less. But um, I know a lot of people see that and say, play him more. When he has started, he has not had nearly the same success as when he pinch hits. Uh, what do you make of that? And and do you think there's anything to it, or, or do you think he just needs more at bats and he's taking advantage of the high high leverage spots he's getting? Uh, I make of it this that it, it it's baseball, right? I mean that that's baseball for you. The the uh, the Giants crushed the Braves, uh, and after the Braves crushed the Phillies, and the Giants come up here and lose four straight yep. to the Phillies, right? Like ch- try to figure it out. Nick Williams when he starts can't get a hit. You would think that he would need starts to get going, but meanwhile he comes up pinch hitting after he's playing <laughs> video games all night, and he's uh, and he's killing it. So you know, thank God, Th- thank yeah, God, thank God, God. He- he's doing it. Uh, you know, I, I I look at Aaron Altair and I see a guy that is a better defender. I see a guy that maybe from the right side has a little bit more power, but you know, Aaron Altair is not producing. So if Nick if Nick Williams wants more at bats. They're there for the taking, and um, you know if he's coming off the bench and that's what he's got to do, that's great. But it really just shows you that we talk about where this lineup was a year ago to now. This is a deep lineup that has guys that aren't getting regular at bats that probably deserve them. So, you know, hey, Nick, push Altair, and you'll get all the all the at bats that you want. But give the kid credit, man. He crushed that ball today. That wasn't a that wasn't a Citizens Bank ballpark home run that was a monster shot so you know I, I heard him after the game he said that he was uh it was two one count he was looking for something to drive and he got one right in the wheelhouse and he pulled it and he yanked it and he crushed it so it's good to know you have guys coming off the bench that can do that it's a big spot in the game man yeah a hundred percent and uh you know he you're right. That was one of those ones that, you know, when Barry Bonds used to play left field and there would just be a bomb over his head and he wouldn't take his hands he off his move. knees. I love that. I love that. But that's what that home run was. Like, the, the right fielder shouldn't have moved. It was just gone the moment at the bat. And it's really interesting because we talked a little bit about it before with closers and the whole human element of it and, and having someone who just, you know, has that mentality. I think there's a little bit of that with pinch hitting too. You know, it's it's a really weird thing, like you said, John, to be – um, you know, playing video games the night before or to go to the ballpark and know you're not in the lineup and to sit on the bench for five and a half innings of a ball game, no involvement, no nothing, and then be asked stone cold to take a bat, go up, pitcher, face a reliever who's pitching to, you know, one or two innings and bringing their best stuff that they have and to go in and be that successful, that consistency. I think that's I think that's a really interesting facet to it. And I think that that, you know, tells us something about Williams. I don't know what it is, but. Um, he's really impressive in that role and, and clearly someone who, who can do that, who can kind of, you know, you sit through a game, ice cold, step in and, and make something of the one opportunity he gets. So, uh, I think, uh, uh shout out he's, to him. He's still young too. Oh, he's yeah. 20, he's yeah. 24 yeah. still, I think. 24, I believe. Yes. So, 
Um, certainly there's time. And like you said, take advantage. If you keep, no matter how valuable you are as a pinch hitter, if you keep doing it, if you keep taking advantage of every opportunity you get like that, you're going to get more. He just needs to start hitting when he gets the actual starts like he hasn't been. Um, but look, again, uh, 23 and 16, sitting here on May the 13th, which is just hard to believe considering, again, it took till mid-June last year to get their 23rd win. So, um, it's fun. But speaking of that, John, uh, like you said, the schedule starts to toughen up a little bit and look, it's not any, like they haven't played anybody yet. The diamondbacks are one of the best teams in baseball. Granted, they lost that series, but you know, they, they played a fair amount of teams with winning records. The pirates, the giants are back to having a winning record. I believe after today, uh, the nationals, uh, so there are, there are some teams in there, but, uh, you know, I think you hear that a lot coming up. There's some, some real series coming up here, obviously an off day on Monday, but then two in Baltimore against a woeful Baltimore team. But then you go to St. Louis for a four game series, which, uh, which could be interesting. That's a, a tough series against a good team. And then, Three at home against Atlanta. You get Toronto coming in, who's played really good baseball, and then four in Los Angeles against a struggling Dodgers team. Look, it's a, a, a some good teams on there. You know, St. Louis, Atlanta, but certainly no one that jumps off the page. I think there's a real chance for this team to kind of continue what they've been doing. And and you look at kind of the breakdown of home versus away. They are heading on the road for six games, but then back home for another six before back on the road for four. So 10 more road games this month, six more at home. They've obviously been just terrific at home, 16 and six on the season at home, John. How do you kind of look ahead to this month of May? And and where do you think this team's going to be sitting at? You know, come the June 1st, it, it could be really real. Wow, uh, I, I would love to sit here and tell you that that I think that that they're gonna go balls to the wall and finish June with a, you know five games over five hundred. I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know what is Nick Pavetta gonna look like uh, against the Dodgers. What's he gonna look like in, in St. Louis? You know, there, there's still a lot of unknown. I, f- I feel like I know I know what Aaron Nola is, but can he do it over the course of a full season? Can he do it without getting hurt? Uh, I, I don't know. So I, 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 they're better to the to this point than I thought they were going to be. So there's no reason to not have confidence that they can't step up. This team's building for the future, and this is an, an important year in the development of a lot of these players. There's also some veterans here that are ready to win right now. So the young kids, how much can they develop? How much can Carlos Santana do? A lot of what the Phillies are going to be this season, you're going to find out in June. I, I really believe that. Depending on what they can do June, heading into the All-Star break, I think it's really going to define the second half of the season. Are the Phillies making trades? Are they trying to solidify the team? Are they okay going with what they have? Uh, it's exciting. It is. And, and I, expe- I expect them to compete. And they're going to have down periods. We know that they're going to. They're going to have... They're going to have series and weeks where we're saying like oh man I it's over you know they they're not, they can't continue this pace but I think when it's all said and done they're going to be right where they are right now which is a, a pretty damn good team and um and, and and it's just exciting that we're actually here in the middle of May talking about a, a playoff baseball team it's amazing. It, uh, it really is it's a great word for it it's exciting and to kind of round it back to the beginning the reason I I expect to continue to continue is is because we've seen such resiliency already this season from this team. We've seen a young team that's willing to buy into a a message and to work counts and to have an approach as pitchers and to have approaches at the plate. 
And when some guys are struggling, other guys are picking them up. And when other guys are struggling, some guys are picking them up. And it just, it's been, I I like the way this team plays baseball. And I like the effort and the attitude and the aggressiveness. And I like the way they've been coached. So I feel uh, 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 echoing all the words you said. It's it's exciting. It's fun. And and I agree with you. I think June's going to tell us a lot, especially when you see what they start to gear up for and also when you start to really get into the thick of it, you know, again, if, if you want to say for, for the people out there who don't think this start is for real, it's the people out there saying, Hey, this is a young team. It's a really long season. It's a grind. They'll, they'll, you know, flounder at some point and we can't tell them they're wrong yet. But I think that what we've seen so far has to make you at least bullish or, or feel positive that, that, that type of, of possibility is there for this team. And, and look, you know, like we said, a month earlier, over a month earlier, they're winning their 23rd game. That's, that's awesome stuff. All right, Johnny, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to, to this week and, uh, kind of getting out of here. And I think it's important team building to get this team on the road and, uh, and yeah, I got to dinner and, Win some games and then uh, get back home for uh, for some more giveaways. I have a ton. I have a ton of Phillies giveaways now. Working at WIP, Cindy Webster gives oh, me all the, the, the giveaways. So I have fanatic hats. I have Odubel hats. I have the the pullover uh, women women's Mother's Day shirt. I everything that they have is great. So, it's awesome. Uh, hey, Looking forward to getting down some games. The weather's breaking, and uh, it's going to be a fun summer. Yeah, and we'll have some fun announcements. We're going to try and do some fun stuff with the high hopes listeners and all that down the road as well. That'll be coming in. I will uh, I will use my final thought to put on my Jack Fritz voice here and say, I'm right about everything. Oh, no, wait. That's that's normal Jack Fritz. Um, no, Jack Fritz voice, uh, rate and review the podcast. It literally, he sits there and refreshes the screen over and over and over again, waiting for new reviews. Uh, so do it for Jack as uh, also for us, because when you type Phillies in iTunes, it certainly helps uh, people find it if you uh, rate and review and all that good stuff. So we would yes. really, really appreciate it. All right. We'll be back later this week. Thanks for listening to another edition of the High Hopes podcast. For John Marks, I'm James Seltzer. We'll talk to you soon. Go Phillies.